It's time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Zone 1. Red Review. Hello and welcome to another Red Review. I'm Alan Davidson and this week, no Dave Galloway. I'm joined by Lewis Mickey and David Fox. And Lewis, Dave Galloway, last seen wandering down Union Street on about two o'clock on Friday morning with a with a kebab. Has he been, has he been seen? Is he alive? Do we know he's okay? He was spotted. He seemed absolutely fine when he came into the office around about midday the next day. Which is I'm just a bit tired. So it really does answer the question that Dave Galloway is, you know, pretty much just a twenty year old in uh, his own body. He but wishes. He does. <laughs> but you know what? I think he did quite well. You know, I think he's quite proud of his efforts. And, you know, quite clearly, Dave can put away the ciders. We, we can, conf- <laughs> can confirm that he can quite clearly do that. I know he talks about it a lot, but now I have seen it with my own eyes. It's quite something to see. <laughs> as long as he sticks to cider. <laughs> I think if he strays from that, that path. It's a different matter. Well, he swapped up a little bit. I mean, yeah. he did swap up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're here to top at the football, not Dave's not drinking Dave, habits. <laughs> but, not, Dave, not Dave Galloway at the Christmas party. But that's for another podcast. Yeah, that might have to be just like, yeah, that would need to be its own series, actually. Um, we could get a lot of episodes out of that, actually. So after the hilarity Thursday, it was Celtic away this weekend. I don't know if we expected much going into it, did we? I wouldn't say so, no. I, to be honest, I was expecting three, even four. I mean, we'll go over the predictor a bit later on, but I was expecting to get a, a sound doing down there. I don't think it was quite as bad as we'd all expected, but obviously we still lost. No, I think one nil down after seven minutes, you kind of thought, oh, here we go again. I mean, they hit the bar as well. Um, I mean, Lewis looked a bit lost with that one that seemed to come out of nowhere, and the goal. A bit lucky, you could say. Took a, a lucky dink and it went over Joe. Maybe not an awful lot he could have done. Defence could have done a bit more, maybe. Yeah, that was. That, I think we'll hear from Derek McInnes in a minute. I think that was kind of his point is when he has kind of got land of the Giants playing for us at the moment. Yeah. We, we look a bit like a kind of Craig Levine heart side at the moment in kind of in terms of stature. Um, you don't expect to be conceding goals from set pieces. No. No, and on, and on that, let's actually, before we speak any further, let's hear what the manager had to say after the game. It was a very gutsy performance, I thought, fully committed, always in the game. Clearly, you're up against a team who are full of confidence at the minute and they, they can attack you from all areas of the pitch and ask the question of you. But, you know, I think uh, when Celtic are in full flight like that at times in the first half, you've got to uh, defend the numbers, defend properly. I thought um, I thought when they came through the middle, they were doing the right-hand side, we were very secure. I thought we looked OK. Their, lef- uh, their left-hand side was causing us a wee issue. Um, uh, combination of Forest uh, and Bolongoli and I thought that was my biggest concern but obviously I don't expect to lose the tight goal we did for the first one the size of my team today you know I know Julian you just spoke to he's you know, a huge unit and you, you can understand he's a, he's a threat but if he does you at the back here a couple of inches and, and goes and gets his header in fair enough but for him to score waist height with his left foot and it seemed to take an eternity to go in disappointed with that goal um, we spoke about the the resilience of the team if we lose a goal which can happen here you know, make sure we don't lose another quickly and you know, gather our thoughts stay strong show that resilience and I thought we did that I thought the players deserve well so I think like it says they kind of probably a slightly better performance than we we thought was coming given, given what's gone in previous weeks I, I wasn't there um, and I watched the, the highlights uh, on telly last night and I felt that still at the back we're looking a bit scared when players are running at us and Celtic will run at you all yep. day 
Absolutely, and there could have been more goals. I mean, if Celtic were a bit more clinical, Joe Lewis made a couple of good saves. It yeah. could have been more, but I mean, as, at the same time, you can only play the game that you're in. And um, you know what? At the same time, there might have been a little bit more luck when Aberdeen's win. It could have been maybe even a draw. They got out of it, but yeah, I mean, as we said, we didn't really expect too much. I think the statistic I heard was in the last decade two wins at Celtic Park but I feel like I remember more so I don't know if that's maybe league wins I guess maybe league wins yeah, yeah. I obviously remember that one on the last day of the season I remember the Scottish Cup one was it in Scot- the, Scottish uh, Cup the week, a- the week after the League Cup semi at Tyne Castle yeah. yeah and then I can't remember was it not one I remember a Darren Mackey go at Parkhead but that might that be a draw that was a cup game that was a yeah, cup yeah. So, but I mean those two cup games I can't remember the other league game but you know that just shows how little Aberdeen do go there and get results but it doesn't mean it can't be done um, but yeah I mean I don't feel as though Aberdeen can complain about the scoreline. If anything, you know, Celtic were probably unlucky not to have more. Yeah, I think the other, the other thing is Celtic haven't lost a home league game since we went there and beat them last time. Basically, yeah. So since, since we went there and did it, nobody else has. Um, and on current form, I don't I think we're sp- expecting. I suppose the thing really. that I was looking for after uh, the game a few weeks back was us just to lay a finger on them. Because what really disappointed me about that game was that we just seemed to stand and watch them play we thought this is a good team this oh we're supposed to be playing you know we're supposed to be playing against them but um well obviously we'll get to the the tackle a bit later on but we didn't let them run the game in the quite the way that we did up up here at Pataudry yeah the response has been okay for the two old firm games in quite quick succession Aberdeen were absolutely thrashed in to then respond with the two games they've had and albeit only get one point out of it the performance as you said has been better it's just about turning those into results now which maybe comes once you sort out the performance first as uh, you know maybe it's going to take a little bit longer to get the result as well uh, but it's certainly better signs but it's about keeping that up it, it, that means nothing if you go into the next game and then allow Celtic to just play the way they want to play again yeah well I think it, and you kind of touched on there that d- defensively I think that's all it's been the worry for me all season and I think it's as far back as I've mentioned this a couple of times in the show. As far back as the Rops game, yes. That yes. The, the, there was a couple of passes that split the defence. Then you're going, come on, boys, these these aren't that good. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and we've got McKenna, who we were sticking silly price tags on in the summer, um, and, and it's going to. He's what's, thrown his transfer request, and we don't know why that is. You know whether he's had a. a you know, obviously the transfer window's coming up and who knows if he's got something coming there. But, you know, he's he's obviously a bit happier here. I think he has played a bit better this last few weeks than he did at the start of the season. Yeah, and I think it's obviously you've got Andy Considine keeping Devlin, now Taylor keeping Devlin out of the squad. Um, there's just there's something, I think there's something not quite right with Mikey Devlin either at the moment. I think it's strange say. that Mikey Devlin's getting called up into the Scotland squad, yet he can't get a game for Aberdeen and... Um, to my mind, Andy Constein's been our best defender this season, and he's getting overlooked for for a call up. You know, I know that's yeah. maybe another subject for another matter, but I think Andy's been our best defender this season. Yeah, I think I, think, I, think I had this other conversation from the other yeah. week with the defence. I feel like it's just the need to just get this is our four we're going with and it doesn't help that there's been injuries but now that he does kind of have most people fit Greg Lee was out for this game but it doesn't seem like it's long term you know he just needs to decide this is the four I want to go with and even if in that first game they don't play that well you need to really just stick with something because the familiarity of having a back four is so important um, picking who that back four would be is easier said than done because we talk about uh, Andy Constein there you would feel like he has to be in there McKenna has to be in there Greg Lee's been pretty good and then you know that, but then do you drop 
Derek McKinnon seems quite keen on Ash Taylor. So then it's, yeah, you can't fit Andy Consign in there if you have Ash Taylor and Greg Lee, but you'd think anyway. Um, and then maybe the problem is still at right back. You know, people still not convinced about Shea Logan. And the only other option is Zach Viner, but he's been playing him in midfield. So, um, But yeah, I mean, maybe the injuries clearing up in midfield then allows Viner to drop into defence. But he needs to just pick a four and, and really try and stick with it. Yeah, I think we, we, we I think we spoke in length about that last week, uh, myself and Dave, and that was what we went into was that that 2014, 2015 kind of time when we were really challenging and really doing well. You could pick the team every week. It, it picked it, itself. Yeah, it was it was it was there were no surprises any week yeah. as to as to who was playing. Um, whereas it does feel a bit like almost Jimmy Calderwood's tombola has been found at the back of a Tawdry somewhere <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I'd forgotten about his tombola that week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing of surprise. I don't think probably Jimmy didn't know himself what he was coming up with week in week out, but he he, he got results exactly when it came down to it, he did get results. Um, so maybe we should be looking at that a bit more. But right, we've avoided this long enough. <laughs> the, the 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 big moment in the game, the, the real talking point from it, Sam Cosgrove's red card. Before we get your thoughts on it, let's hear what the manager had to say. The, the game runs away with we, what I felt was a, a poor decision. I thought the referee had a very good game, but. And I've just said that people saying to me there are talking about similar, putting in the same brackets, Portis last night. There's nothing like the Portis tackle. Portis clearly makes contact with the player last night. Cosgrove's watched it 50 times, 20 times now, and he's won the ball cleanly. If he goes in at speed and, 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 and hits the player at any point, then you can understand maybe a referee sending him off. Um, but when you get in at speed like that, you've got to make sure you get the ball. And 100%, it's a brilliant tackle, he makes the ball. He, he probably doesn't need to go in it as quick as he does, but he, he has won the ball cleanly. Um, and then you get big Ayer lying, winking at him and laughing at him, lying on the ground. Um, nothing wrong with the boy. The boy's carries on. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with him. He's running about out there. He's, he's a very good player. But if Sam Cosgrove, I'll say, if Sam Cosgrove's hit Ayer going at that speed, Ayer's hurt. And the boy's clearly not hurt. It's a brilliant tackle. Well, a lot to like about that interview, but my favourite is where he goes, watched it 50, 20 times. Because <laughs> he, he realises he goes about to go 50, and he's like, nah, let's be fair, probably about 20 times. But um, I mean, I agree pretty much with most of what Derek McInnes says there. I mean, first of all, the comparisons to the Portis one are really, really weird for me. Portis, like, legitimately gets Barisic kind of like on his leading leg with his leading leg, you know what I mean? And then whereas Cosgrove has caught IR with his trailing leg. So it's very big. It's very yeah. different to begin with, um, but then even then, like so that separates those issues. Even then, what I don't get is it actually splits Celtic fans. I'm seeing half Celtic fans saying it's never a red card, and, and normally that tells you enough. If uh, that many Celtic fans have said it, but then the other ones take it to such an extreme. There isn't those other ones where like, oh guys, you know, it is a red card though. It's, the other ones are like, no, he's disgusting. He's endangered a player's life, and it's just like, <laughs> and that's I, I like, could, I could have been killed. <laughs> yeah, and it's, amazing, and it's like, yeah, but a trailing left leg because. What I hate normally about red cards is when people use still images to try and show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Celtic fans, I, I feel like we're trying to prove one thing with this still image, image that they're putting around, but are actually proving another. Because in it, you can see the ball like almost out of the frame because it, he clearly won it and it's went out of frame. But the way they're trying to, the way the picture looks is that Cosgrove's studs are going right into Ayer's shin. Like the way that still image does look that way. But if you watch the video, you see that clearly doesn't happen. So it completely. It makes that irrelevant. But it's, it, it's endangering the safety of an opponent. And it's one of those, if he goes in and times that tackle wrong and clatters him, it's a red card. Yeah. But that's when he's endangered it, when he gets the timing wrong. Yeah. That, that, that should, 
That's the whole point of that rule, isn't it? I think the, the, the problem with this rule is the keyword, and that's intent. The referee has decided that the referee, uh, that the player went within the intent of getting the player and not the ball. And as you've already said, Sam clearly got the ball. That's it. It's and it's there's not a whole lot of contact. It's no. it, it's it's tra- it's his trailing foot. It's it's yeah. boot to boot. It's not studs. I think he he does go and dive in. Yeah. But I think the the thing is when you speak about challenges like this all through the season, when somebody makes a challenge like that, you go. If he gets that wrong, he's leaving a referee a decision to make. He goes in there and he doesn't get it wrong. He times it perfectly. Yeah. He goes in and actually, it's almost when you watch it and you've watched it that many times, you've got to understand the referees only see this once. I think the referee either has been badly informed by the linesman on that side or has just taken no notice of it and gone on the reaction of the players. Uh, I was uh, listening to... uh programme on another station at the weekend <laughs> and they were basically talking about this similar kind of situation uh, um, it was Motherwell against um, was it Kilmarnock? Yeah, Kilmarnock anyway, yeah. yeah and uh, they were in the corner flag and the linesman gave a throw to Motherwell and the linesman uh, sorry and the referee who I believe is Willie Collum overruled it now the referee was 30, 40 yards away at least and the linesman is literally there. So what are linesmen there for? And I'm not saying yeah. that they're, they're all completely useless because they're not all, but the referee doesn't seem to take any notice of them. And the linesman, as you're saying, should have taken the situation. You you can, and it's from, again, you can see, and I think this was discussed on TV last night, from the referee's angle, the way I, the way Cosgrove goes in, the fact Iyer goes down like he's been shot. Yes, um, yeah. You can lead the referee to believe, and I think it's one of those we we do it as well, and we speak about it as well. Quite often, you go on the reaction of the players. Yeah, you you can tell from kind of with, with anything like a penalty appeal or or bad challenges. Yeah, if you don't quite see the incident properly, the first thing you do is you look at the, re- the reaction of the players around them. And if that's what the referee's done, you can see it. But the linesman's there; he should be. He's close enough. He should see that. Yeah. And again, I mean. Is it a case that linesmen aren't being given enough responsibility or they're scared to take any kind of decisions because you see a linesman waiting until a referee decides which way a throw is going? You know, they'll put the flag up and then they'll decide which way. Similar kind of situation. You know, I mean, do are, are linesmen, do they have to step up to the mark and start taking responsibility and telling the, the referee what's actually happened? I mean, at the end of the day, I don't feel as though if Cosgrove stays on the pitch... I don't think Aberdeen get any more from that game. So I'm not... There's no frustration on that end. Maybe they do, but I doubt it. You know, Celtic really it's, it's one, running away. It's one of those. But, the, way the, ga- the way the game goes, the way the first yeah. half went, it was all Celtic. But the Cosgrove way this turned out... Cosgrove got a chance and buried it. Yeah. There's not to say in the last 10 minutes that we, we don't get a ball into the box. Yeah. But the important part now is the fact that if this stands, he misses two games. He's much bigger miss for those two games than he was for, what, that 25 minutes yeah. against Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. So it now comes down to the appeal. They said that they absolutely will appeal it. Um, which might actually allow him to play those games because they might not hear the appeal um, so it might mean he still gets banned but not for these games so the question then is you know what is the roulette going to come up with now because (laughs) you know the way that this appeal board works you can never know what way it's going to go and this is the other thing if that challenge had been totally missed by the officials if if that had been let go and and the referee had given the throw in 
there is not a chance he would have been given a retrospective red card for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, so I, why why is it not that? And this this is the issue we have with the whole appeals process and things in this league at the moment is there's not a chance he was given a retrospective ban for that if it was missed. Yeah. Why is it not being overturned? Well, I put up on uh, on Twitter uh, just around about the end of the game, and I said I can guarantee that if it been Scott Brown had made that tackle, Celtic fans would have been applauding it, saying "Great tackle, well timed, got the ball, but took the man out, brilliant." And some Celtic fans agreed, and as you're saying, some were like, "No, no, it's still red card, still red well, card." There was a clip going round of Johnny Hayes. Yes, that one is pretty much identical. <coughs> yeah, and actually, the only, the only difference is Hayes takes more of the man. <laughs> And they loved that tackle at the time. And there was another one, um, which, in fairness, um, he's changed his opinion. I believe at first Michael Stewart said it was a sending off, and now he's changed to say it wasn't. And in fairness, that might be because he was shown a clip from last season where Scott Brown takes out yes. a Hibs player and <laughs> said it wasn't a red card. But, I mean, the way I look at it is so they'll appeal it. I don't think, I, I feel like it should, obviously, as we obviously said, it should be um, taken off. That, that shouldn't be a ban. But. It, they're not going to do that because if they do that then you know exactly what Hibs fans are going to say straight away they're going to go well if that one isn't a red card then Portis isn't you need to remove his ban too so well, they're not going to Portis, they'll completely Portis. just you know yeah. kind of avoid that difficult conversation by just saying no no Cosgrove stands so the way around this is you appeal it it doesn't get heard until and then January they leave it, yeah. and then it leaves it he's out for the winter break we sell him for 10 million and it's not an issue anymore <laughs> because he doesn't actually well, serve that, a ban this is the other, somebody, somebody did point out that could, that could be his last game for the club well, as I've said on, on Twitter the weekend you know there would be a Certain kind of niceness uh, to his career starts off getting sent off against Celtic <laughs> and ends up getting sent off against Celtic. Ah, uh, but the first one was on Scott Brown, and you know exactly. what? Yeah. The, first, nice the, first one, was on the first one, the first one was a red card. But oh, yeah. oh, you, you oh, yeah, absolutely. You can forgive Kit trying to do Scott Brown, yeah. I think. But uh, going back, going back to the Portis one, the Portis one is a, a red all day because the difference is he gets the man, he gets the man with the leading leg, he mistimes it. Well, whether he mistimes it intentionally or not is a different debate. Because <laughs> you, when you watch it, it, it's almost like Sam Cosgrove went in too quick. Ryan Portis almost slowed down mm-hmm. before he went into the challenge. And he's he's a player that I think we've seen in the past has a bit of that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was mistimed and it was reckless. Uh, but I still think that Rangers need to maybe have a wee bit of a look at themselves and yeah. think about how they reacted to it. The bench's reaction was... Pretty, yeah. pretty over the top, yeah. And obviously, every single player was asking for the card as well, which you don't really like to see. No. Uh, but no. you have to consider the the player who was fouled in both of these as well. So Ayer was clearing the ball. So Cosgrove knows he's going to stay in that position. His leg will come forward because it is in the process of clearing a ball. But he is not trying to run further into that space. Whereas Portis throws himself into a space that Barisic is trying to run into. Yeah. Barisic isn't going to clear that because if he does, he clear it towards his own goal, and there's a problem. He's clearly going to try and take control of the ball. So that is important, well, that, that, I, I feel, because Barisic, you know, Portis has stuck his foot into a position where Barisic, he knows, is naturally going to move into, whereas Ayer, it might not necessarily move into that space that Cosgrove well, went this, his this, foot into. This is the other thing, that I, the point I was going to make, actually. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> the, 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 the Cosgrove tackle is almost a block. He's, he's almost sliding across. And you, it, it's a challenge that you see quite a lot. I think he, he's closer to Ayer than you would ideally like to be for this but if he's another yard further out all he does is slides in and blocks the clearance yeah. which you see six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a game there's minimal contact and sorry Ayer's a six foot plus centre half rolling about 
the, 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 other things I can't say on radio. As McKenna said, you know, there was the, the wink towards him, and that just reminds me of Kyle Lafferty with Charlie Mulgrew yeah. after um, uh, uh, Lafferty had his broken nose dealt with and whatever, you know, and he walked away and, you know, he winked at players who knew exactly what he was doing. And what, just quickly, I, I want to wrap up on this because we spent long enough on it. But, <laughs> and what Scott Brown was playing at. Why, why is he, So he, he's running over, he's gone over, he shoved Cosgrove. Um, I think uh, it's either Julian shoves uh, Ferguson. How how are these not bookings? <laughs> well, how, why why is why is Scott Brown because he's Scott Brown allowed to? If any other player does that, basically because he's Scott Brown. I just I don't understand it. Scott Scott Brown is almost refereeing games these days. Yeah. I mean, who does he think he is, Willie Miller? <laughs> but I think it was, what was what was the game the other week? He got booked in the first 20 minutes yeah. and then had about seven fouls. And I, I think it was to the point that everyone else in the home ground going, How many? I know. I, mean, I, I was one game at Pataudry and he was, I think he had about 11 fouls before he eventually got a, a yellow card. And it, I, I, I think only referees can answer that one. Yeah, and it's one of those. And the way, the way he plays the game is almost. Right, Scott. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna give you this yellow card in the tunnel now before we go out, just to save me having to do it later. <laughs> a bit like when Graham Shinney was here. It was just Graham. I'll just book you just now. Two minutes into the in, game, in, and you go got this yellow card. Aye. Well, right. We'll, we'll give you this yellow now because we both know it's coming. Just 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 save the hassle later. Aye. Right. I think that's, so I think we're we're all agreed on that. <coughs> not not a red card. And Scott Brown is a word I can't say on radio. Um, right. On to on to the predictor. We've we've touched a wee bit on the on the Rangers game. Um, how do we think we got on this weekend? Obviously, you didn't play this weekend. I'll take credit you'll, for Dave's pick. Take, so, right. <laughs> of course, you will, because he was top scorer this week. It's two, oh, yeah, yeah, two yeah, in yeah, a yeah. row. I, 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 I actually informed Dave. Um, I was his source for that <laughs> one. I was really helping him out. He actually made those predictions while he was, you know, quite a few ciders deep. So, I did need to give him that help. <laughs> from, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah from, from relegation trouble, he's brought himself back top scorer two weeks in a row. But we start at Easter Road on Friday night. 3-0 Rangers. Did we see that one coming, David? What did you have? I, I had 2-2. Two, two. Um, I thought that Jack Ross would uh, kind of continue the form he had against us and, you know, kind of keep that honeymoon period going a wee bit, but obviously not. No. Um, and I think, like we said, we've covered, we've covered the red card in this game. I think I... Unfortunately, I forgot it was a Friday night game and didn't put any score in for this game. And nicely... David reminded me on Saturday morning that I hadn't put my scores in. <laughs> That's good of him. That, that was tactical. That was tactical, wasn't yeah. it? Given that it was currently me and him at the top of the league, he, he reminds me after it's too late to do anything about it. <laughs> Cynical. Um, but yeah, I think the, the only other thing to touch on in this game is the antics of Mr. Gerard, who, before he came to Scotland, I, I, had a, I quite liked, I thought, I had a bit of respect for him, and he's just turning into a complete and utter... I think the thing about Gerard is that <coughs> someone's said to him um, when he was appointed, right, this is the kind of thing you've got to say to the fans to get them on side. And it doesn't matter whether there's any relevance to it, whether it's true or not. This is the kind... Here's your phrase book. It's the, the Rangers Football Club press conference phrase book and he seems to be using it a lot. Yeah, it was the... And it goes back to the, his very first game. We <laughs> never get that. decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know what? I, I had a completely different one than you where I just didn't like Steven Gerrard before he was here. Anyway, <laughs> I actually like Liverpool so much more nowadays. Wow, yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's, it's what I expect. I just, you know, kind of accept it. They shouldn't have benches behaving that way. The referee is going to make the decision. They get the decision they want. So I don't see why, why, he's, why he's all upset. Because they're kind of half going at the bench, but they're also screaming at the fourth official like he can do anything about it. <laughs> so it's just, I feel awful for fourth officials on a weekly basis, to be honest. I mean, Derek McInnes does it too. So it's not like um, everyone's completely innocent of it. But yeah, those fourth officials, wow. No, but it, it's Stephen Gerrard's. You can almost see him going. Somebody hold me back, honestly. Get, get back in your box. I, I, I think he was hiding behind the rest of the bench. You know, when when it all kicked off, he just seemed to take a step back and uh, and hide behind everyone else just to keep away from it. So he wasn't getting himself well, wasn't getting into trouble rather than keeping himself away from trouble. But um, no, I mean, I've, I've never really been a, a Stevie Gerrard fan, and just some of the stuff he comes out with, it's just like, why. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm going to get in some trouble if I keep speaking yeah. about Stephen Gerrard. So moving on, <laughs> moving on to a less contentious topic. Hearts. That <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit less contentious. Even Hearts fans hate Hearts. Like you can say anything about Hearts at this point, and they'd be like, "Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's, that's quite fair, actually." So, did, how did we think that one was going to go? I, I thought they might get something out of that game. Must be honest. I'd one nil for Hamilton. Yeah, and big, big three points for Hamilton. That's their uh, first win in ten, is it? And uh, to beat the team that they're they were on the same points, you know, it's a that's a three points gap. And I've got to be honest, unless Hearts do something pretty major soon, relegations. Well, that's it. Da- Daniel Stendel's already said, "Well, this is a bigger job than I thought." Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's Naismith back into the side and off at half time. I'd be interested to know how much Daniel Stendel really knew about his squad before he came in, because we're told we're told like, oh yeah, this is you know one of those. He's basically you know this is someone who molds himself a little bit like Jurgen Klopp. He really wants to go and have high pressing and high energy. It's like, did you look at the squad? I mean, if you were to put it into you know FIFA ratings, this would be guys who have like lowest stamina, the lowest sprint speed. Like you know, you saw it in the first game. He started with Aiden Keane up front, and it was like that's not because he's his best striker. He's not even as probably fourth best striker it's because he's probably the only one with legs that yeah. can actually make those and it's just he's going to need a big January transfer window he's going to need to really be backed by Ambudge I think they probably will back him because I don't think they would have brought in a coach who like even though he didn't do that well in England probably would have been quite high um, up on jobs for like League One and stuff like that you know they will back him but it just depends you know January is a hard window to try and operate in you know trying to actually find value might not be that easy um, but there's certainly the midfield is the big one for me you know the way he wants to play they need a, a good midfield there and you already talked about the injuries I mean at this point it's not I always kind of you know felt maybe there was something in the methods Craig Levine was using be it training be it whatever um, because there were so many injuries but at this point there's a few players in there who just really really are injury prone and um, they just have the unfortunate situation that they have a lot of them at the same time some clubs have one player who's injury prone Hearts have about four or five yeah well that was it I think they signed a lot of players that the, the thing you went that might be a good sign if they can keep them fit and it turns out none of them are fit I mean in all the time I've been watching Hearts one thing I've never thought of them was as an athletic high pressing team they've always been workman like I'm being diplomatic <laughs> workman like and strong in the tackle but it's it's basically a change of ethos for them. And is he going to be? You could um, Ian Carthro, you know, he had his way of working. Is there going to be time for him to be able to implement that? You wonder if it's the right time to be trying to make make such a big change. Yeah. If you were 
you know, if Hart, let's if say you swapped it around and Hearts were Aberdeen right now, and Daniel Stendel came in and tried to change it, you could see that maybe working. You have some players there who are your kind of key players, you know, will deliver, and then you know you're kind of a bit safe. But to do it when you're kind of in a relegation scrap yeah. is, I wonder if Daniel Stendel will see out the season because if he, he seems like someone who's just going to be really, really brave, and if um, you get to about March and they're still in a relegation scrap, I can imagine them being like, look, let's just write it off, getting someone who's going to keep us up. You don't have as many of those, you know, uh, relegation avoiding specialists in Scotland as you do in England. You know what I mean? There's about ten of them yeah. just ready. Right. Sam yeah. Allardyce yeah. just <laughs> sitting by the phone. <laughs> Pint of wine, obviously. <coughs> uh, just kind of waiting, but, but it, we don't quite have them up here. But the but is, there will look, be one or two. It's looking through the squad. I think this is the thing we spoke, we spoke about this in the show as well. When Hearts and Hibs were both looking for a manager at the same time, and if you're Jack Ross, which job do you take? And it was always Hibs. Yeah. That was a better squad. And you look, but you look at it. Hearts' top scorer this season is Craig Halkett, <laughs> who's not scored a league goal. Can <laughs> I say it's all really decent? He, he scored four League Cup goals. Two against Stenhouse Muir, I believe, as well. Two, two against Stenhouse Muir, one against Cowdenbeath, and one against us. <laughs> top 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 league scorer, Bazanich, Ikpiezo, Machino, and Naismith and Walker all on two. That's uh, yeah, pretty bad, pretty bad reading, really. But, but you go back to go back to that way. I don't want to spend too long on this, person, but you back to the way you, we spoke about. You think Stendhal wants to play a high pressing, energetic game. The team from the weekend. Claire, Halkett, Hickey, Damore, Whelan, who's about 104, <laughs> Naismith, who's about 105, White, Ikpiezu, McLean, who again is about 105. Yeah, there's some absolute age in there. And then there's some other players. I mean, I've seen, I've seen Milk there. turn quicker than Uchi Ikpiezu. <laughs> there's genuinely some players that are not playing in there who you feel have more legs than a lot of the players in that team. And I don't. Yeah, I mean, the defence, I feel like, could be okay. When John Suter comes back, the defence of, you know, Hickey, Smith, and then the centre-backs being Suter and Halkett, that sounds pretty good. But it's up front. You can maybe make do up front if you get Connor Washington and Stephen Naismith fit. But the midfield, like, wow. It just it doesn't represent what he wants to do. It doesn't even represent being good enough to do what Hearts normally do. It's just not, not good at all. No, they're, they're in real trouble. Anyway, on to managerless Kilmarnock also we haven't touched on that yet because that was announced just after we finished recording the show last week uh, the departure of Angelo Alessio I suppose in a way we're kind of getting back to um, what we're seeing about Hearts just a, a couple of minutes ago you know someone that comes in tries something different and because it's Scotland and we don't like different things in these parts it, you know he's he apparently lost the dressing room and he's away Um Kind of surprised because they're they're not doing too badly, you know. After the the Stevie Clark bounce, if you like, um, but uh, I'd mother well down for a two 0 win for that. I think yeah, I'd, I'd mother well win down for that one as well. But I think the, the departure of Alessio really caught into fifth in the league. What what do they expect? Yeah, yeah. I mean, realistically, what 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 are they looking for? Again, if the idea of he lost the dressing room is true, then okay, I get it. If it's based purely on results, I don't get it. Um, but the suggestion would be that there is something more to it, which is, you know, you kind of leave the board at one point, you're kind of like, well, look, it shouldn't be this way, he shouldn't, you know, the the players shouldn't be turning against him, what are you going to do, replace a squad of, you know, 20-odd players, it puts you in a tough position, uh, but yeah, I, I felt he was doing quite well, yeah, the, he had like maybe four losses in a row, but he had a bad start to the season and turned it around, so, you know, why, no reason he couldn't do it again. Um, and also, he really wasn't that, that backed in the, the transfer window, you know. No, I mean they lost key players and didn't replace them. 
and I don't know what don't quite know what they're expecting. And they went what from being third to fifth, you know, dropping two positions for having lost, you know, Greg Taylor and having lost their goalkeeper and having lost Jordan Jones, all these people, like that's not too bad of a regression, really. But it, it's just like third third they were punching above their weight. They could maybe have hoped to hold on to fourth. Even even keeping last squad last season squad. Uh, it, it was it was realistically they were fighting for a third or a fourth and turns out they're fifth because they've lost a couple of players and Motherwell are having a good season. And it, they can't it, they can't be that far away from where they expected to be. And it's not like they're um closer to seventh and eighth than they are to you know ourselves and Motherwell. You know, they're they're in touching distance of ourselves and it's not like they're they're way down there. So strange decision for me, but like I said, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. No. Let us think a point all round for that one. On to St Johnston, St Mirren. That's a boring game of the weekend, wasn't it? I mean, I believe, actually, uh, we have had a sighting of Dave Galloway. He's still sleeping in McDermott Park after having <laughs> watched this one. I mean, it works for both of them, to be completely honest. It actually worked. There's three winners here. There's St Johnston, there's St Mirren, and then there's the uh, Renwickshire Food Banks who are getting a donation of a certain amount for every point that St Mirren get this season. So, you know what? Um, I think it's a win all round for them because you, with Hearts losing, you know, they probably would have preferred a draw between Hearts and Hamilton, these two, but it's a result that works for them. St Johnston have turned things around pretty well and St Mirren you know they just keep on finding points here and there um, you know two teams who it could go either way for both of them but at the moment they're, they're kind of on the up yeah no I think it, again it's it's one of those points that may be very crucial come uh, May well I think as you're saying I think St Johnston are turning losses into defeats they're not quite turning the, the draws into sorry turning uh, defeats into into draws and they're not but they're not quite turning the draws into wins yet but um you might Steve. need a functioning striker for that one. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to mention Mr. May, but... Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I think it's it's about what we expected from this one, isn't it? I, don't, I wasn't expecting a classic. But no. I, I had a 1-1 one, one draw and I didn't think it was going to be a classic. No, I, I, yeah. I, don't, think, I don't think it was ever in, in contention no. for TV selection. That no, one. I don't think so. Right, finally, last game on Saturday. Livingston 4, Ross County 0. Another very impressive result. I feel Ross County have a really... like. I'm quite sure that there's a good chance they could end up in this relegation battle because there's a couple teams in there. We mentioned St Johnston, St Mirren. You know, if they really kick on, they make one good signing in January, that's enough to propel them into kind of challenging for the top six. You know, maybe not quite being the team that are getting into the top six, but just outside it. Ross County are on a really bad run of form. It wouldn't surprise me if this went on a couple more games that they would get rid of their co-managers. Um, and they do like a bad appointment of a new manager. <laughs> so, and I just don't... Like, Livingston are a good team, don't get me wrong, but like... And I know there was like some virus that went through Ross County um, in the leak leading up. Uh, leading up but like, yeah, they're just not on good form whatsoever. Um, I never thought their defence looked very good. And now the goals have dried up. There's, there's not much to them, is there? But it's, they're, they're showing that they've had a couple of brilliant results this season, and then other weeks they've been absolutely hopeless. It's, it's very, very surprising. Um, I think Livingston continue to be, you'd imagine, on probably one of the one of the smallest budgets in the league. Yeah, very impressive. And they're going to make some good money off of Lyndon Dykes. I bet you know hat trick in this game. Um, he's already been linked to some moves. I, I feel like any club up here is probably too cheap to go for him, but he'd fit in really well down in the championship in England. Um, so you know, you look at him and you just you think you know that's a guy who, for a team like Livingston, 
he's going to get them so many points in, in one season because he just pops up with goals at important times. And even if he's not scoring, he's really giving the defence an issue. Um, yeah, Livingston somehow, they lost a lot of good players this summer as well. You look at Halkett, Gallagher, um, their goalkeeper. Even some of the players that they had up top who weren't like fantastic, they lost a couple of those. And they've actually somehow managed to replace them quite well without really spending any money. Uh, so, you know, big props to, to Livingston. No, well, that's it. I think it was it was mentioned quickly. Just this leads us quite nicely on to the one <coughs> other thing I wanted to speak about before we wrap it up. Was Dykes was tipped for Scotland call-ups last time? Surely he can't be any worse than whatever we've got at the moment. <laughs> I'd see no reason why not. You know, when you look at the strikers that are there, you know, if Griffiths stays fit and maybe starts scoring goals, then I'd want them in. But he's not seemed too keen on getting called up the last couple of times. Then you know, Lawrence Shankland, I guess. Who, who's the other options? There's just not many options whatsoever um, only McBurney scored this weekend I suppose but yeah I mean he certainly made them with a shout and it just depends if you're on form when this happens if there was a Scotland squad about to be announced today he'd be in it because he's just scored a hat-trick but um, you just need to time your form at the right time sometimes to do that yeah and on to just quickly on, before we wrap up on Scotland John McGinn with these Euro playoffs coming up McGinn fractured ankle yeah that's a big one for Scotland um, I suppose he was our our main man and who we're gonna have to replace him. I've got my fingers crossed that he makes a miraculous recovery. Like I'm gonna like I know it's probably unlikely, but I, I'm really hoping. And you know what? For him and Aston Villa's sake as well, because Aston Villa looked in trouble with John McGinn. They, they, he's they're the majority yeah. of the rest of their season. They're, they're in real trouble without him. Yeah, but I, I think it's one of those. And it's again this this is the this is possibly the downside of having players in the English Premiership. If if he was at a Scottish club, if he was that important to Scotland at a Scottish club. It wouldn't surprise you if his first competitive game of football was in a Scotland shirt. Yes. <laughs> Whereas true, yeah. there is not a ch- there is not a chance yeah. that unless he is one hundred percent fit, Villa let him come to that squad. Right. Not a chance. It's where the money is, isn't it? Money talks in football. Absolutely. And there's a lot of it in England. And unfortunately yeah. at the moment John McGinn doesn't walk, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on that. Sorry, that's, a John. Good, that's that's a good point to leave it, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you for you, Lewis, for standing in for Dave Galloway and oh, Dave for joining us this thank week. You. I've been Alan Davidson and this has been the Red Review. North Sound One Red Review.